Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would love to see them take some shots earlier in games. And and if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But it's it how much more damaging is a is a deep turnover than it is than a three and out on an opening drive. You know, they've had enough of those this year. <laughs> they have. Um, I, I would love to see this team just take some pressure off the defense, if nothing else. You know, Ben Roethlisberger said this on his podcast. I don't know if it was last week or the, the week before. You know, and the, the looks you get from your defense when you jog off the field after a three and out, and they've got to go right back onto the field again. <laughs> and, I mean, if there's any negative to this, that's that's what Pickett's doing is, is a lot of times he's forcing his defense who've just had a, you know, eight or nine play drive, and maybe they stopped him for a field goal, and then your offense goes out and goes three and out, and then your defense has got to run right back onto the field again. That's That's not, you know, that's going to create a little animosity there between the offense and the defense when you just go – trotting off after three plays it's like okay guys get them you know that's that, that's that to me is the part of this whole this whole formula that's not sustainable hey there and welcome into the show ryan o'leary here joined by kurt popejoy kurt is the managing editor of the steelers wire which is part of the usa today network uh, in the podcast, available wherever you get your pods. So we appreciate you jumping on board. Go ahead and subscribe if you could. Leave us that five-star rating. Tell a friend. Uh, we'll be here all season long. We're glad you're here with us. And for those returning to the show, welcome back. Kurt, how you doing this week, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Feels pretty good to be six and three. So, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in here, Kurt. Uh, are Steelers fans being too impatient with Kenny Pickett right now, right? I mean, I know the box scores have not looked good. Passing yards per game, Pickett, 32nd in the NFL. Now, that number is hurt a little bit by him. He, he missed a lot of quarters for in-game injuries, right? Yeah. So some of his games yeah. um, don't look as good yards-wise. But still, that's that number's telling. He's stuck on six passing touchdowns. So yeah. I think fans are worrying, Kurt, that the team is relying too heavily on the defense and the run game and you know fourth quarter Kenny to just suddenly emerge and make plays. Uh, and it's, you know, is that a sustainable approach to football? Probably not. At the same time, the Steelers are winning. They're contending to win the toughest division in football right now. And I think on the surface, Kurt, Pickett remains a long-term plan, right? There's no backup plan and there's no, like, there's no controversy. Everything you hear from Tomlin and the Steelers is that he is the plan. They're going to give him rope. And one thing that sticks out to me about Pickett is he hasn't done what Mac Jones is doing to the Patriots. And I use that, that comparison because the Patriots are asking Mac Jones to manage the game. Give us a chance. Don't kill us. Don't turn the ball over. Just manage the game. And he's he's un, he's unable to do that to the point where they're probably going to bench him this week and move on from a player they picked in the first round. The difference with uh, the Steelers are they ask Kenny Pickett to manage the game, and he does it almost flawlessly. He does not turn the ball over, as you were writing on Steelers Wire this week. Uh, he doesn't kill your chances. He doesn't put the football in harm's way. Uh, and maybe he's not necessarily winning you games on it. He's not carrying the team on his shoulders, but he's not losing games for you. So do you think the fans are being a little bit, are they not being patient enough with Kenny Pickett at this point in his career? What do you think? You know, I did a poll on Steelers wire and asked if Kenny Pickett continues to play at the level he's playing at, should the Steelers consider replacing him at the end of the season? And it was like 68% of the votes said yes. 
you know, and this was, this was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. And so five games into the season and they were already saying, if things don't get better, they need a new quarterback next year. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think Steelers fans need to remember what franchise they're talking about. I mean, this isn't a franchise that makes changes. You know, they don't like change. They don't do knee jerk reactions. You know, that's why they've had three coaches in the last, you know, 52 years. You know, they don't, they, they, they don't, you know, jump to any any sweeping changes based on a small sample size. And I think that, you know, they've come out, you know, there was some talk that said that um, Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin are sort of intentionally dialed the offense back a little bit because of, of Kenny Pickett. But I think he's, he's running the offense exactly the way it has to be run right now. Um, you know, the fact that he's only accounted for four turnovers all season – is pretty remarkable when you consider how much he's played. And, you know, we, we all want to criticize when he misses on a throw because it's so bad, but throws that are that bad aren't going to get intercepted either. I mean, he's, he's missing, he's missing badly on his throws. He's not trying to force throws into tiny windows and that's where turnovers happen. That's where interceptions happen. Is it a confidence thing? I don't know. You know, I don't know if, if Pickett's seeing these small windows and just doesn't feel confident enough, or he doesn't feel like he needs to take those chances because at least over the course of the last two weeks, they know that he knows they can run the football and he knows the defense is going to make some plays. And down the stretch, if they need a, a drive or two, they can run some tempo and he can usually, you know, kind of, kind of turn it up a little bit and get that that last drive of the game or last couple of drives of the game. Fans want to see him do that the entire game. You know, they want to see Pickett come out there from, from the first drive of the game and play with that same energy and confidence and all those kinds of things. But I just don't think that's the plan for the Steelers. I think, I think they are just going so conservative. And I said it on Twitter last week. Um, I love like old school football. I mean, I love watching teams just kind of punch each other in the mouth and, and run the ball and, and only throw it when you have to and those kinds of things. So this kind of football doesn't phase me, but I know especially for younger fans when you're watching, you know, the the Miami Dolphins and, and Kansas City Chiefs and, and teams like that that are just putting up, you know, video game numbers and, and yards and things like that then it does get frustrating because then you look and go like if the playoffs started this week, Pittsburgh would go to Miami and the Dolphins would host the Steelers in the playoffs. I'm not sure anybody thinks Pittsburgh can beat Miami because they can just score so quickly. You know, they can just put up points so fast. And I think everybody looks at that and goes, Pittsburgh's not built to run with these top teams. We've seen it this season. You know, their three losses this year were against teams that are all probably going to make the playoffs and are all playing much better on offense than Pittsburgh is. And so I think it's, it's natural that you'd be concerned, but I definitely think the idea that Kenny Pickett's going to be two years and done is just crazy for the fans to even consider that. Yeah. It, it's not good. It's not going to happen. And I, I think it's interesting. I go back to that Mac Jones comparison because I think the coaches got in Mac's ear, Kurt, and said, don't turn it over. Don't put the ball in harm's way. And that can make some quarterbacks freak out and second guess themselves. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. could ruin a player doing that. And I think they they did. They ruined Mac Jones. He's on his third offensive coordinator. They're all telling him, don't turn it over. And now he's turning it over as much as any quarterback in football. The Steelers yeah. telling Pickett, 
don't turn it over, don't put it in harm's way, and him being able to go out there and not lose his head and not lose his mind and execute, yeah. I think is a good sign. So I'm not. I'm trying to hold faith right. for Pickett. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. one, one question I did want to throw at you, and it's something you wrote about on Steelers Wire, Kurt, is I think you mentioned no quarterback has committed fewer turnovers. Do you think he's playing it too safe, though, early in games, right? Would you like to see him start to open it up more, or do you think they just the Steelers have found a formula here? No, I would, I would like to see him take some shots early because even as Mike Tomlin says, the start of games does not determine the outcome at the end. So there, if, if you believe that, let him go out there and try to make some plays right off the bat. I think we all accept that Kenny Pickett's a pretty confident kid. He's not, you know, he, he never, I, I've never really felt like he's, he gets really rattled when he does make a mistake, even last year. I mean, he hasn't done it much this year, but you know, he makes a mistake he kind of can shake it off, get back out on the field, stick to the plan. You know, I would love to see them take some shots earlier in games. And, and if it goes wrong, it goes wrong, but it's, it, how much more damaging is a, is a deep turnover than it is than a three and out on an opening drive. You know, they've had enough of those this year. <laughs> they have. Um, I, I would love to see this team just take some pressure off the defense if nothing else. You know, Ben Roethlisberger said this on his podcast. I don't know if it was last week or the, the week before. You know, and the, the looks you get from your defense when you jog off the field after a three and out, and they've got to go right back onto the field again. <laughs> and, I mean, if there's any negative to this, that's that's what Pickett's doing is, is a lot of times he's forcing his defense who've just had a, you know, eight or nine play drive, and maybe they stopped him for a field goal, and then your offense goes out and goes three and out, and then your defense has got to run right back onto the field again. That's that's not you know, that's going to create a little animosity there between the offense and the defense when you're just go trotting off after three plays. It's like, okay, guys, get them. You know, that's that, that's that to me is the part of this whole this whole formula that's not sustainable. You know, you're going to wear your defense down, and and if there's anything in this whole whole scheme that's gotten Pittsburgh to six and three. It's the fact that eventually all the injuries on defense, um, you know, they're not deep in some spots. That That's going to wear on this team as the season goes on. And that's really what I worry about more than anything. That's a great point. It kind of brings us to our next big topic with, this, with the Steelers, and that's Quan Alexander um, yeah. being out for the year. That's a tough injury, obviously. It comes on the heels of Cole Holcomb going on injured reserve. So uh, you've lost two of your top five tacklers. Uh, two players that were really uh, fitting in well uh, together there uh, as inside linebackers, Kurt, and yeah. you're you're only left with a, line, a Landon Roberts now. He becomes the green dot, so he's the guy that will be rele- relaying the plays uh, from Terrell Austin. It will, you know, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe he did that with New England. I think he did it a little bit with the Dolphins as well. So um, you're left with the Landon Roberts. I'm not blaming the offense. I, I'm not. This, this is just no. normal carnage on the season, but. For your defense, that's been carrying you. Um, it, you know, especially with some of these wins, the defense is pretty much solely responsible for some of these wins. Uh, this is going to be going to be a tough uh, Holcomb and Alexander. These are this is going to be a tough, you know, situation for them to cover. And it sounds like they're going to do it from within, Kurt. So, how do you see the Steelers going forward? Forward without Alexander, who was a nice little player for the Steelers this year. Yeah, well, it sounds like the you know obviously Atlanta Roberts is going to end up being the captain. You know, where the where the green dot. Part of that has to do with the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick's still out. You know, there, there, there is a scenario where he has been the play caller before, but mm-hmm. he's still dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, so, you know, th- th- there's nothing that says he's going to be on the field this week either. So that kind of figures into this as well. He had really been 
playing down the box and, and helping too. Um, I think that you're going to probably see Mark Robinson, second year kid out of Old Miss, who's a converted running back, um, plays with a lot of energy, fast, um, just just a little out of control. Doesn't you know? Assignment football is still something he's kind of sorting out. Um, you're going to see those two, and then I, I would assume they're going to call up Michael Walker, um, kid they signed from Atlanta, who's played. You know, he's he's got quite a bit of starting experience for the Falcons. Um, they've had him kind of stashed away on their practice squad um, since I think just since like the 30th of October. So I think you'll see him. I think if they decide to bring up a fourth inside linebacker to kind of keep it the way it was before, um, Tariq Carpenter, he's a converted safety that they've, they've converted over. He played for the Packers before. Um, and that's probably going to be it. You know, those are going to be your four linebackers. Those guys are going to be asked more probably to do special teams. Um, I think that you're going to see probably situations where they only run one inside linebacker and maybe bring an extra defensive back onto the field. That's made a little more complicated with the fact that, you know, like I said, Micah Fitzpatrick's out, Keanu Neal's dealing with a rib injury. Um, You know, where are the, where are the bodies going to come from when they know Cleveland's going to want to run the football? So where's your, where's your run stopping going to be? If it were up to me, and obviously it isn't, I would play three down linemen where they've just been playing two down linemen and then putting Highsmith and Watt on the outside. Um, I would probably, I think they've got enough good down linemen that they could put Cam Hayward and Larry Okajobi and Keanu Benton up there up front and create a lot of problems for Cleveland, you know, and, and give those guys behind them a little cleaner look since it's not Cole Holcomb and it's not Quan Alexander. So, We'll see what happens over the next few days. Uh, Montreux Adams set out today's practice. Neil Keanu Neal set out today's practice. We'll just see how they progress. But I, I don't think they're going to make any big. Um, you know, they've already said they're not going to look externally for help on the on the active roster. So I'd say Walker and Carpenter are probably your two best bets to to sort of slide up on the depth chart and fill those spots. That's interesting, Kurt. And if they do go to three down linemen, what is it? Does that like? allow you to move around Highsmith and Watt and kind of do that thing where I, they walk around a little bit? Like, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I, I can remember times, not this year, but last year where they would actually send Watt on, you know, him and he and Cam Hayward would run some, some stunts and some twists and things like that. We haven't seen much of that this year. We, you know, we've seen pretty much straightforward, you know, straight pass rush, two down linemen, two outside linebackers straight off the ball nothing fancy. Um, I think you put a third lineman up there, you know, cause they're going to want to put seven or eight in the box. Anyway, you're, they're going to want to stop the Browns from running and see if they can get this rookie quarterback to beat him with his arm. So, I mean, they're going to have bodies up there anyway. Why not, why not put your, your best guys up there? You know, cause I think, I think Keanu Benton is a far better option um, than Mark Robinson at linebacker. I would much rather have Benton at defensive line as that 11th man then Mark Robinson at linebacker is that 11th man and just let Landon Roberts be a sole middle linebacker in that, in that situation. I'd be, I'd be good with that. It, it'll be uh, telling to see what the Steelers do against the Browns. They are going to want to run the football. You just mentioned them. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie, uh, a guy that can use his legs. He was running all over the place in the preseason. He's in there for Deshaun Watson. We'll get into that matchup with the Browns, what that means with the new quarterback in there kind of on the fly. We'll dive into all that here coming up next. First, here's some Week 11 fantasy advice from the huddle.com. 
Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 11. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers versus Los Angeles Chargers. Not only has Los Angeles given up the most passing yards per game to the position at just under 316, quarterbacks have scored a rushing touchdown on four occasions this year, and no team has allowed more, which is a nice little bonus to consider. This is the best fantasy matchup of the week. And Love faces a defense that has granted six 23-plus point performances in nine games, and they haven't picked off a pass in three of the last five outings. This matchup is 22.7% better than average in the last five games. Running back Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Three straight games have passed since Pollard made it into double-digit PPR land, and he has posted only one stat line worth more than 10.5 PPR points since week three. The Panthers have allowed running backs 1.33 rushing scores per game on the year, and the 15 total touchdowns in nine contests gives hope for a strong showing. This is the second weakest unit at slowing the position. In the last five weeks, Carolina's given up the fourth most rushing yards and the tenth most total yards per game to running backs. Only eight defenses have permitted scores at a higher rate. Stick with your stud running back in this one. Speaking of struggling studs, Calvin Ridley, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Tennessee Titans. The former Atlanta receiver has been all over the map in 2023, and the last four games have seen him post three lines with fewer than seven PPR points apiece, and a six-catch 83-yard game to headline that stretch. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. There's a quality opportunity to get on track this week versus a Tennessee unit that has permitted wide receivers to average the 13th most catches and the 12th most yards per game since week five ended, and a dozen squads have seeded touchdowns at a higher clip. On the year, eight receivers have gone for at least 16 PPR points against the Titans, and Ridley should make it nine. Tight end Trey McBride, Arizona Cardinals at Houston Texans. McBride was a fantasy monster in Kyler Murray's first game back from injury, and he's a de facto number two receiver in this offense. Houston has given up the second most catches per game to tight end since week six began, and this is the third weakest unit at limiting PPR points on average in that time frame. Nine teams have been bigger pushovers when it comes to limiting scores. Expect another strong day from the young tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Kurt, you mentioned it right before the break with uh, Thompson Robinson. He's starting at quarterback for, for Watson. Uh, I was a little surprised. Personally, they have the veteran P.J. Law, uh, sorry, P.J. Walker, uh, who was actually the guy who came in and, and led the Browns to a win over the 49ers this year. So I, was, uh, yeah. I yeah. figured it would be P.J. Walker, but Kevin Stefanski came out and said he wanted to give Dorian Thompson Robinson a chance to start with a full week of practice and and that's where they're going. This kid was uh, a camp darling, you know, a fan favorite in camp, a guy that did some did some fun things running around in the preseason, but this is a whole different animal going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it would seem to be an advantage for Pittsburgh, um, but the Browns are still favored in the ballgame. I think the line opened at four for the Browns in Cleveland. Four. It's yep. now down to two. So the Browns are still favored with this quarterback in there. Uh, but what do you think about this matchup and what changes now with Thompson Robinson, I think the big one is his legs, right? That's that's what would yeah, worry me his now. Mobility, yeah, his mobility is a big a big part of it. And you know, if, if there's been anything that's really kind of hurt Pittsburgh in terms of their outside linebacker play, you know, Highsmith and Watt are so aggressive that they have gotten burned on some some zone plays where the quarterbacks have gotten outside and they crash down. And you know, I, I assume that the Browns feel like they can take advantage of some of that, especially without. Holcomb and Alexander in there, they don't have those inside linebackers with the range. You can run and and chase guys down. Um, So I would assume that's probably what they're thinking. I mean, neither Walker or or Thompson 
Robinson have done anything. I think they have one touchdown pass between them and eight interceptions between them. So, I mean, it's not like either of them are doing much with their arm. Um, you know, I, I it, it's, it's kind of a, a, a no-win situation for them. I think, like you and I talked before the show, I think that Pittsburgh and Cleveland kind of kind of match up pretty well in terms of what they want to do. Both teams want to run the ball. Both teams want to play big defense, and both teams want to protect their quarterback. It's just which team can give their quarterback a little more responsibility. Personally, I think Pittsburgh, if need be, they can give Pickett more responsibility. On the other side, you know, the Browns may have a better better group of of skill players, you know, in terms of like Amari Cooper and David Njoku. Um, It's just whether or not the, the rookie can get him the football or not. We do know, we did see one game this year where Thompson Robinson came in. I think it was... It was the Ravens game, the one Cleveland lost 28-3 to earlier in the year. Robinson came in. I don't think he started, but he came in, got extended playing time, uh, finished with a 25.3 quarterback rating, really, really struggled through some yeah. interceptions. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess you would hope here that the Steelers can can force this kid into some mistakes. But you said earlier, Kurt, yeah. you like smash mouth football, um, which is a good thing. I'm glad you're covering the AFC North. That's a yeah. good thing for you. Yeah. Um, and this is, like, this is one of those games where Cleveland on defense – we know they get after the passer. It's scary to try to pass against them. Uh, and I think this is a big reason why they're they are the best team in, in football in terms of passing defense. They get after you. They pressure the quarterback. They make it really hard. Uh, and they they force turnovers. They get interceptions. They'll run them back on you. They had a pick six against Baltimore, right? I mean, it's crazy. They lead the league in, in pass defense in nine games played. They're allowing... Just 151 passing yards per game. So for a Steelers offense yeah. that's struggling to pass the football, it feels like a scary matchup there. It, it, do you think this is yeah. just a situation where the, the Steelers have to line up and play smash mouth football and just try to pound the rock at them and that's how you yeah. win or and then pick your spots on offense? I don't I don't know if Kenny Pickett has much more than 100 yards passing in this game. It's going to be that kind of game, I, I think. Unless unless he hits connects something deep. Yeah, the 60 yard. Yeah, I told, yeah. I told somebody I told somebody I said he could end up with 200 yards passing and 75 of it could come on one play. You know, that that's kind of the way this game could play out that he could get one blown coverage for George Pickens and he gets a 75 yard touchdown and then throws for 100 the rest of the game to a bunch of dump offs to Jalen Warren. You know, it could it could end up being that kind of a performance for him. I'll just, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me in the least, you know, the, the, the offense, even when everybody's healthy, isn't terribly creative in, in terms of passing. So I look for, I look for Warren and Najee Harris to be out there together a lot and, and a lot of check downs, a lot of safety valve type plays. Um, and, and that, and maybe get one deep one, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think, I don't know what his over under is for passing yards this week. I haven't <laughs> looked, but I'll probably take the under no matter what it is. So. Yeah, I'm sure it's low. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. So um, I mentioned the line. It, it opened at four. It's down to two. The The Browns are still favored. It's such a nod to their defense, right? It's like mm-hmm. that's why the market is kind of holding on Cleveland. You might be tempted to take Pittsburgh in this one, but they're still dogs. They have kind of owned the Browns. They've had they've had even yeah. even in games where they feel like they've gotten dominated, they win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just they've won four of the last five meetings. Uh, they usually cover the spread against the Browns. They're seven and two against the spread the last time. The last nine times they played the Browns. So 
Uh, the Steelers are just, they're fortunate. They're good against all their division opponents. They usually play all their division games really tough. But the Cleveland in particular, Kurt, they've kind of had the Browns number. Do you think that continues yeah. with the rookie stepping in I for do. Cleveland? I do. And, you, and the main reason I do is because, and I give I give Miles Garrett a ton of credit. I think he's one of the best, you know, pure defensive ends, you know, more traditional defensive ends in the NFL. But he doesn't do that to Pittsburgh. You know, that they have found a way to kind of neutralize and minimize his impact. And so I, I do think Pittsburgh will beat him. I, I, I really think they're going to win, not just because they're going to have a rookie starting quarterback, but I think that Pittsburgh has figured out the formula to sort of minimize the damage that a guy like Miles Garrett does. His, his highlights, when I watch him play other teams, I'm just baffled by it because he just doesn't put those kind of games together against Pittsburgh. And I don't know what the secret is. I don't know what the... Obviously, his biggest highlight was when he assaulted Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. I was going to say, you don't think he makes a big impact. Go ask Mason. I mean, that was the the biggest impact (laughs) of them all. It was on Mason's head. The battery in the end zone. Uh, So I know the Steelers wire is kind of the, um, it's almost like Brown's wire right now. You guys are covering this Deshaun Watson injury so much, Kurt, um, and getting really digging into this game. What what should folks be expecting as you guys lean uh, lean into kickoff here, get closer to kickoff? Yeah, get closer. One of the things I want to really look out of the matchups, because these two teams play each other so much, um, I'm going to dig in on some of the matchups. You know, the, you know, the Dan Moore going to go against Miles Garrett and, you know, who's, who's Cleveland going to have lined up to go against Alex Highsmith and people like that? Is Joey Porter going to going to call for Amari Cooper this week and ask to follow Amari Cooper around, you know, is that those kinds of things are, are what I want to talk about the rest of the week. I love it. That's Kurt Pope. Joy, check him out on Steelers wire. And in, in terms of the podcast, thank you for joining us as always. Again, leave that review, subscribe, all that support us, will you? And, and we'll be back each week to break it all down. Catch you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.